There's a star podcast waiting. There's a star podcast waiting in the sky. We'd like to come and meet you, but you think we'll blow your mind. Not not sure about that. Look, this is Oral Fixation. I'm Andy, and you're here to listen to us chew the fat on David Bowie's Deep Breath, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, released on RCA in 1972. All samples you hear in this episode are entirely for the purposes of review and critique. Let all the children boogie. Well, we are on air. We're recording and we are live. Are live. <laughs> <laughs> um, my opening question to you is... West. Is there life on Mars? Is there life on Mars? My... I, I feel like I need to open this episode with a bit of a kind of, like, statement slash confession. I haven't answered my question yet. There is. I'd like to think there is. Okay, cool. Wait. Yeah. I think there are actually... Is, we know there? there is. Is it like cytoplasm? Well, there's been like... <laughs> <laughs> there's like a little plant. There's been like evaporated water found, which is sort like, of oh. when you boil your pasta too long and it's like just like gluten scum Yeah, is on the, Mars. Is on Mars. Yeah. So there's scum on Mars. <laughs> Subhuman scums on Mars. Yes. Um, are there spiders? <laughs> you know, are there biker mice? <laughs> are there queers, dear? Yeah. Anyway... I, if you'll allow me to be a bit, like, earnest and frank with you. Let me be frank. I am struggling to remember the last time I felt so apprehensive about covering someone. And I'm so glad that you printed out this outline, which was nothing to do with... The producer did, doll. (laughs) I'm just the talent. I just walk in. I was just looking behind you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Big Dippers just behind you. Thanks again, Dip. Um, You've got an outline, nonetheless. Good outline, nonetheless. Um, Yours has more words on it than mine. Um, (laughs) But it's just look, cycle six or a fixation. (laughs) (laughs) That was very drag queen doing the splits on the stage on the roof. Yes, very that. Um, That was just a. And Sunny falling down off the table. But anyway, um, it's cycle six of oral fixation. We haven't done Bowie in the past, um, but it's been much lauded, much discussed. And I, I I know him and I'm aware of him. But does he know you? He, he doesn't know me, little girl. Um, but am I that true super stan? No. But... Do, does this artist have a lot of true superstands that are looking to us to do justice to Bowie and this album? I would say yes. And I just hope that, like, I've done my she-search and I'm I'm ready to go. Like, I'm lubed and I'm doing my deep breathing. But I'm just saying what I'm about to bottom and it's going to be recorded and will people want to watch that video? I get it. 
but I've got some poppers for you as well. Oh, fab. Okay. In, in the vein of I, I hear you, I feel you, and I've had very similar thoughts, but both you and I are very lucky to have in our queer stratosphere, our stratosphere. Huh? Queers, queers, queers. Bowie stands who can give us nuggets and schooling yes. and intel and insight, and I'm very grateful for them. And I've learned a lot from them recently, and I'm sure you have your own as well. Deepest, truest, maddest friend of the pod, Liam, has been on speed dial. So this goes out to the editor of DNA magazine. We're not experts right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'd love to have you on to discuss Culture Club. <laughs> 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 that <clears throat> has to come to the Patreon, that email that we that, get. Oh, that email. We'll read out, yeah, read yeah. the emails on the Patreon. But, like, let's get this back on track. We are here because we're so excited to talk about this person. Yes. This artiste. Um, when I've told people who we're covering today, the general response has been, can't believe you didn't do them earlier. Yeah. Which on one hand is amazing, but also there's just so many queers out there because, you know... Visibility, darling, it's the 21st century. Absolutely. And but you, we had to we had to do that groundwork to get here. We did. I think. We did. And I'm really enjoying that we're continuing the tradition of opening each cycle with a straight out, flat out legend hunty. Icon. Yeah. Star. Yeah. Stars and stripes. But this album. Why? 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 When we decided Bowie, I typed into Google David Sorry, Bowie. Hold up. Album. Record scratch. Mm. I say Bowie. And I think, how do we not know? Off the outline. How do we not? How is it still questioned? Let's ask his son, Zowie. (laughs) Zowie Bowie. Max Wax. Is that, do you think, and we'll get into this, but do you think the fact that his um, name is still um, not one specific thing, it's, it's, it's queer? It's also kind of androgyny. It's very that, but it's also not David Jones, which isn't just the department store across Australia, but David Bowie's birth name. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I'm not losing sleep over it. I think that he deliberately told people it was different things at different times in his career to keep people guessing. All right. And I think that's the kind of bitch that I came here to discuss. (laughs) So like, that's that's why Bowie. Like, is your name Drew or is it Drell? Drell. I've got many aliases, you know this. Yeah. Sacred Moon Child. Crookshanks is Bay. <laughs> but why this album then? Why? Well, the holy priestesses of queerdom, a.k.a. Boy George, Rufus Wainwright, Cindy Lauper, coming soon to the pod apparently judged this thing a few years ago, which was like the 100 most queer albums of all time or whatever. Yeah. We'll link to it in the in the bio. But um, there was this panel of queers and queers adjacent um, in the music industry and Bowie's album, which we're discussing today, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, a.k.a. Ziggy Stardust, was um, by a mile listed as his queerest album. Wait, as his queerest album as or his- as... The one of the queer albums. Oh, this was like a, an overview of just Bowie albums. Wasn't just Bowie, but I think the quotation that I read was, I think in selecting a Bowie album for this list, this was the one the that queerest. made it on there. It's the queerest. Yeah. So I immediately kind of, well, we WhatsApped about it. We confirmed it. I put it in the spreadsheet. I pressed play. And I was like, yeah. Okay, I'm so glad that you said that. Because it took a bit of mining 
for me to get yeah. the queer, um, an element of queerness just from the lyrics alone. I think that we yeah. have to be mindful of the fact that the people that were voting in that... Um, Brexit. <laughs> in that poll, got a full album campaign that was soaked with visuals that would have been queer as folk. And also hindsight to see how it influenced yes. what was to come. Well, that's something that's really interesting because a lot of my icons, your RuPaul's, your Gaga's, I've, I've listened to interviews with them where they have said, I can pinpoint the moment that David Bowie came into my life and it changed my life forever. Mm. Seeing him perform on TV or mm. hearing a song or something sparked something within them in so many of our huge icons mm. that... Um, that then informed their creative process and career, I guess. Mm. And I think that's really interesting as well because he did... He, he switched up the game, Mama. Mm. And, uh, and I feel like this album was the kind of beginning of... The genesis. The genesis of that before... I think it's his fifth album... Um, 18 months before, apparently he was seen as a bit of a loser. Yeah. Like, and like, have you listened to hun- Have you listened to Hunky Dory, which came before? No. So that's all like very piano-y. There's actually a really iconic <laughs> song on that album called Queen Bitch. <laughs> which is just... <laughs> iconic. Um, but it's all... It's like, this was a big departure mm. from that into rock. Interestingly, though, a lot of the songs for Hunky Dory and um, I'll Just Shorten It to Ziggy Stardust mm. were apparently conceived of at the same time. Yes, yes. And and then this kind of concept... Around the character of. Around the character yeah. of then changed, I think, the and told the story and sort of that. very So... I've been, since we decided this album, I've been listening to Bowie nonstop, and I'm glad that we've both had multiple cycles of listening to the album. But I've also just been completely immersed in Bowie World. And um, I, w- I left work to walk to the studio, and I was quite frankly sick to death of him. Just because, not because of him, because of me, because I'd listened to nonstop for the last week. You binged. But I wanted to stay in the universe, and I just typed into Spotify um, Bowie influences or something. Oh, right, as like a playlist? Yes. And this amazing playlist came... There's loads of them. There's loads. But this amazing playlist came up called Fifty Shades of Bowie. And I was like, great, I'll just put that on and press shuffle. So this is music um, inspired by Bowie or um, what Bowie was inspired by. Just everything kind of in his genealogy, his music soundscape. The diversity we could never. Kate Bush, In Excess, Lou Reed, more on that. Yes. Immaculate section, get that out of the way. The Cure, Blur, Kurt Cobain, The Velvet Underground, New Order, Billy Idol, I Could Go On, Pulp, Gaga, you aforementioned, um, Bjork, Hot Chip. Like, I was like, oh, so my listening, my iTunes library, let's say, is because of Bowie. Your, what, what, what you also just read out there, doll, could have been the episode listing of the last five cycles of oral fixation. Yeah. Arctic monkeys. <laughs> Coming soon. Quick fix. <laughs> Bet you look good in the dance floor. Quick fix. But the, the sugar babes version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. But you're so right. And he, I guess he's sort of, that's really interesting that that playlist is sort of people he was inspired by, but it sounds to me more oh, like sorry. it was people yes. that, yeah. like your Iggy Pops and your Velvet Undergrounds. And well, they were like his peers They, were, they well. were his peers. Mm. And then <clears throat> everyone that you sort of listed, most of the people that you listed on that list came after him. So it's really like a watershed moment of it is. music. It is. And that is why I'm like, I know. I'm like, ah, yeah. you know, ah, yeah. like owie. Owie. You know, nowie. We're going to take this one step at a time. You've got your lube, your poppers. Your, Camera's rolling. Your Enya's playing. Oh, my God. So, um, as the outline says, yeah. why do we clear that off? Why this album, <laughs> Cindy Lauper told us. So, yeah. our own experiences with Bowie. So, this is a really interesting one, because I always think of that, like, when, in the lead up to our recordings, I'm like, what was my first? I can't, I actually iconically can't pinpoint a sort of like, oh, okay, that's in, because. You're so old. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I cannot remember. It would have been coming up to my 50th. Listeners, tell us if my incessant, irrational bullying of Drew's age is actually just getting boring because I will never stop finding it funny, but I actually don't know if anyone else finds it funny because he's only it, two years older than me. I find it hilarious. Like, make, make, make me laugh. <laughs> make me laugh. Make me laugh. Yeah. You know, it's actually, it's not that hard. No. Um, so, <clears throat> I think that my first, he, he would have so, Bowie songs would have been playing in my house before I even knew what, music was you know so he would have seeped into my ether but I think that <laughs> mm. the <laughs> but I think that the first song that I really um, remember being like this is a David Bowie song is iconically a duet Freddie with Freddie yeah Queen yeah Under Pressure yeah and being like and my dad being like <laughs> bitch you have I'm like a four-year-old sitting in the car and he's like you're listening to that you have no idea how iconic this was this was gaga beyonce yeah this it was bigger than that yeah it was just so iconic it was donna summer barbara streisand it was that you know um it was um natasha Bedingfield and daniel Bedingfield at the brits yes singing shaka khan (laughs) being like incesty yeah yeah we want that um (laughs) It would be just like a huge, huge like moment, I guess, for him personally as a big, predominantly Queen fan, but um, also, I guess, a, a Bowie fan as well. But that song kind of um, just was was always... was When I was thinking on, on the way here, what is my first kind of interaction with him, I would say that. And I'd also say songs like Changes and Heroes, probably. Mm. being the Heroes kind- in quotation marks. Right. I still don't know what the quotation marks mean, but it's... Stylistically, quotation queer. marks. Yes, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> That's a style guide. Those would have been the tent poles, and then you've got like your life on Mars, mm. your let's dance, mm. your star man. Mm. You know that began. But I, I tell you what, I wasn't aware of um, would have been the the timeline of it all. No, it all kind of blurs into one, and yeah. I feel stylistically to our unschooled minds. David Bowie is David Bowie, apart from um, his 80s stuff with Niles Ro- Niall Rogers, as in Let's Dance and Modern Love, is very separate for mm-hmm, me because mm-hmm. it just is. And then obviously his most recent stuff. But that kind of 70s period is just him spaffing out hits. Yes. 
Um, I had a really good think about this today, and I am sure, for some reason, the first Bowie song I remember noting was Starman. Interesting. It actually was Starman, and I feel like it was on some kind of compilation or something. Well, I was going to say that I think that the Bowie songs I knew as a child were part of compilations. Mm. Um, so anyway, sorry, Starman. Yeah, Starman, end of. Really. End of, end yeah, of. That's it. You know, and has your, are you a stan? I embarked on a journey of inquisitive stannery. Yes. A few years ago when I was living in Melbourne, this was while he was still on this astral plane of existence because there was a phenomenal exhibition of Bowie costumes I went to the, in London. In, at the V&A. At the V&A. Yes. But it moved to Melbourne after London. Right. So me and my friend Ellen, who's a huge Bowie fan, went to this exhibition and I was gobsmacked at the costumes in front of my eyes. The draggery. It was drag. Mum. Mum. It was drag. <laughs> <laughs> she's a drag queen. She's, she's sexy, an artist. Sexy, sexy drag queen. And the takeaway I got was... This fits into everything I imagine a queer English, specifically English, hero to be who came up out of the 60s and 70s because I think it started chronologically with a very dull, grey, black and white, sepia um, upbringing in like working class England. Yes. Miserable, bleak as it was for everyone. And so many of the, of our sta- idols are like that. Your Elton's a bit later, but your boy George's. If you're queer and poor from England, you're going to be... Cross your fingers. An icon. Yeah. You yeah. will, I mean, didn't, well. <laughs> I, but that's the thing, that's the, I actually grew up quite rich. Yeah, right. So that's why it's yeah. something's Your not fall from grace came later. Yeah. Yeah. Year, year seven. Yeah, right. Dad lost his money, had to go to state school. Oh. Album coming soon on that. You came out stronger. I came out stronger. Yeah. And harder. Anyway, um, but yes, you're right. It starts kind of quite black and white, and then it's this like Technicolor. explosion of Technicolor, Dorothy landing in Oz. And it's all that. It's all the Yellow Brick Road, the Sparkles, Alien. There's this fascination with, with Out of Space. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, is that someone feeling just constantly like they don't belong where they are and they need to find this technicolor landscape where they feel more part of. Or create another universe that they can con- not control. control but yeah, be control. 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 Like, but, like, define. Yes. Credit grammatica. They make... The- but no, on it, they, like, yeah. that's fucking yeah. inspired by Bowie. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, Madonna, yeah. Yeah. Wait, what's what's the match? Should we, is it time for the... the Babylon! No, oh, sorry. No, I'm on about Gaga Chromatica. But you say that, if we just really quickly open the Immaculate uh, section, or is yeah. there a, a We'll longer? open it. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of the era that... I actually don't remember when I said I didn't think about her face. That was iconic. That was iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was... She was school, a teenager. School me. School me on this, what? but I was most surprised to hear Madonna on the list that you just really? said. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I guess um, musically and stylistically, but who came after Bowie, who defined their career on imagery inventions and creating characters and... 
owning genres and mastery of creating their own worlds. It might not have been this alien landscape, but each album was an opportunity to reinvent who she was and create the rules for it. Well, hun, you must be my mum picking me up at the end of the day because she's been schooled. Schooled. But yes, of course. Sorry, obviously. Yes. Um, But that trope of reinvention kind of... I think that we like to um, connect it so closely to Madonna, but it's really in it's all queer. of our in all of our idols. It really is like a running theme. But Bowie really did like go the extra mile in creating these like yes, like visual like landscapes yes. and concepts and um, characters that that, yeah. that were specifically named something different to him. Yes, and he even goes on to sort of talk about in interviews following Ziggy Stardust the fact that that character kind of took over a bit and kind of made him um, a little bit crazy. And then Mm. he had to create another character, Aladdin Mm. Sane, Mm. to, um, like, counteract that other alter ego. Mm. And that, to me, is just, like, so kind of fascinating. That's more of a direct link to Gaga. Yes. Um, For better or for worse, that kind of being so immersed in that character that it might actually be working against you sometimes. Ali. Ali. Uh, Yeah. Um... But what were we saying before that? The fact that um, he's, I kind of... Like uh, alien... Creating new spaces or concepts that he can own so that he's, um, I I, I guess, as part of of his creative process. Which is a huge reason why, I guess we're doing an oral fixation, that whole concept is, all jokes aside, it is fabulously queer. Now, when... I guess part of my apprehension that I didn't actually communicate to you beforehand about doing Bowie was I've had, not unsettling, but I've I've been intrigued by the idea that despite what he said, and we'll talk about that more, um, Derrick Bowie actually might not be um, sexually queer. Mm. Um, and And I was like... Uh, Analyzing that earlier in the week, looking into if if David Bowie actually wasn't gay, despite saying so, why is that maybe a problem for me? Um, so I'd like to talk about that more. Okay. And I feel like I've kind of come to the end of my journey on that. Um, but can I? I think David Bowie. My takeaway was I think he's culturally queer. Okay. And I think he created queer culture. That's interesting. I, I agree with you in that. <clears throat> well, let me just... Um, so, in listening to this album, I struggled to find... Um, and I'm sure, please, like, write in and say, like, well, obviously this and obviously that. But th- there wasn't much kind of, like, overt, like, I'm a gay guy having sex with other men or whatever, you know. There's a lot of bisexuality and, he, like, I guess he talks about, like, um, God-given ass um, mm. when he's talking about, like, silent and stuff. But what I did get, mm. and I haven't quite kind of really put the needle on it, mm. but what I did get... Danny reference for the Stannies there. <laughs> ...is a very, very strong sense of... In the past, um, Bowie was described... Um, quite frequently as androgynous. Mm. And I think that in a twenty Lennox. In a twenty twenty one lens, I actually a lot of my reading of this album was a step further than that and it felt to me 
kind of non-binary mm. and th- there's like there's lyrics in um, the songs where he kind of refers to himself a mama papa as 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 someone of both genders or neither yeah um, there's a line in um, it ain't easy where um, the, the lyrics go I've got the love of a future woman and I was a bit like right mm-hmm. but then afterwards it says, and she's calling she's calling from inside so it's like oh, there's like a yes. woman inside yes kind of thing. yes and and that to me then when I started to view this album through the lens not necessarily of uh, I guess a more traditional um, queer um, lens that would give me kind of like references to hooking up with guys mm. and I started to view it more as the expression of someone who could very well have been non-binary but didn't have the tools to um, articulate that in such a kind of um, a modern ubiquitous way. way that we have now mm. it kind of changed my perception of the album mm. a bit and it excited me a lot more mm. and it, it felt like I was listening to something really radical and revolutionary. Yeah, cool. And I think the journey that you went on with that sounds like the journey that many um, of Derry Bowie's fans at this time would have been on. Correct. And that leads us into why so many of our idols were directly inspired by him and just so many queer people, because if we just touch back on the drudgery and the dreariness of grey England in the 70s and other parts of the world, and we think of the 70s as really glamorous because of people like Derry Bowie, but they really weren't for normal people. They were miserable a lot of the time. Um, you'd from, know. <laughs> was um, he from? Where was he from? Was he Somewhere, f- London. Uh, it was London, but it was very... Just uh, from his speaking voice, I imagine, so. I just get... I'm pretty sure it was very, like, industrial and, like, mm. smog and just, mm. like, kind of, like, shit boring. Yeah. But to, to be sat in your room and maybe you've bought that record and you do feel a bit othered, you feel a bit different, and to hear exactly what you picked up on, that is so cool, that burst of colour in all of mm. that grey. Um, yeah, I think I jumped the gun a bit, throwing that topic that I mentioned earlier in. I guess it's a good, it's a good thing that we'll keep touching back on. But I think you pinpointed really well why this album was probably picked by all of those legendary queers as the one to do. Well, first of all, you don't jump the gun; you are the boom boom gun. Correct. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I think and look, I there are a, there's a lot of stuff going on here but mm. i am i i just kind of it, it's interesting to me that so many of our idols i think that their their love of um uh of color and performance and um the fact that there's more exciting stuff going on in the world like we spoke about before was inspired by um bowie but i think that you're right it, there was also this spark of like i'm queer and I don't know what that means yet. Mm. And I think that that's why it's so cool that it's Bowie that did that. Because as you just mentioned before... Well, like, I'm different and I don't yeah. know what that means yet. And sorry, that's what I mean when I say queer, I guess. But um, it's an interesting discussion around, like, does it matter that he didn't, that we know of, have much yeah if any sex with right them. this is the discussion that i want to get to because uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel like queer baiting to me it wouldn't have okay. been it wouldn't have been back then because it would have been so like 
Okay. Right? Do I think, think it's more complicated than that. I don't think um, I want. I don't want to slap the label of queer baiting on it in the say in the way that I might say about someone now. But that concept is part of what I'm feeling. Right. Yeah. That's. And, this is fascinating. Yeah. Um. This is all just from what I've read, I guess, and picked up from others. So my opinion is still very flexible, and I'm. I really want to hear what other people think, but. Um, when I say like Bowie's more culturally gay, we, we know that you that um, sexually heterosexual people can one hundred percent be queer. We have so many of them in our lives. They, mm. You don't need to be in a same sex relationship or have even leanings to be queer. We know that. Um, but specifically, Bowie, I actually don't think he was ever really interested in putting his dick in a man. Right. Um, I think what you pick up from his friends and his lovers, um, at least what's online, is that he was very much a lover like Prince of Women. Yeah. And the sexuality of women. See his wife. See his wife. For that. Angie. Stunning. Stunning. <laughs> We're talking about him on, darling. Him on. Not iconic star. That's actually really now knowing what I know about they were together in for this album. Right. She was a huge part of um introducing him to incredibly creative gay people and you know the nightlife of London. And we actually just know her as a bit of like a lol meme. Because she was finding out that her ex-husband had died. This man who we're talking about right now. Yeah. That kind of blows my mind a bit in yeah. a bit of a weird way. Um modern memery. Where was I? Um, the fact that he didn't have any interest in um, putting his dick in a man. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, um, you hear about someone caught him in bed with Mick Jagger or something. Well, this that's is the fine. thing. That's the it's that's like, the rumor. That's isn't the rumor. It? That's the rumor. So someone literally says, "Ah, oh, I would consider him heterosexual, but who fooled around, experimented a bit, and in those days, didn't we all? Okay, fine. But then someone else goes on to say, "These are colleagues of Dave Bowie. It's Cherry Vanilla and Tony Zanetta, both queer names." But what he was really was a narcissist. He doesn't say this in a negative way, but boys or girls, it was all the same. He was attracted to gay culture because he loved its flamboyance. And I see in that a kind of seed of... He effectively made so much queer culture for young queer people in the 70s and 80s. Um, and that's what's kind of convinced me, of course, that you don't need to be sexually queer to to identify as queer. But the gay baiting thing, he said in an interview in the album, that in the year that this album came out, he said in Melody Maker, I'm gay. And that would have been enormous back then. Mm. That would have been tremors through the world. Like, you know, there's something about, um, I was thinking earlier about how the tube on the way to work in the morning, any male under 25 would have been reading a copy of the Melody Maker. Right. And apparently the magazine at that time had this huge circulation of um, giving it to other people. So like one copy would be read by up to five people. Right. So what we're saying is that would have been massive. Um, but just a few years later, he was saying, I completely made it up. Um, it's all a bit of a lol. It's all a bit of a joke anyway, isn't it? And then in the same year saying that he has... Shagged men. I don't know. We don't know what's going on. What we do know is there was also a whole lot of drugs going on at the time. Honey. Honey. Um, but I guess I can't pull myself completely away from, oh, you're, you want to be a queer icon, but you're not even gay. And I think by saying this to you, I'm like, it doesn't matter. 
I'm talking myself out of this. No, it I don't know. Work. I think it's interesting what mm. you're saying. And I think that um, the, the flippance with which such a huge statement... Elton John, correct me if I'm wrong... Came out as gay so much later. So much later, he came out as bi- as many people do. He came out as bisexual first, then said he's gay. Yeah, but like that was such a important like milestone in his career mm. that like even now like the the conversation around to what extent should like um, big pop stars or rock stars um, come out? It's it's changing. But it's only recently changing, and the changes and the the, the the gravity that those words held, saying "I'm gay," is so huge. Mm. And for someone to say it and then kind of double down and be like, "Oh, I'm not," and it was actually a bit of a right. Lull, that's where we're going. Is a yeah. bit like okay, right? Yeah. But at the same time, is. Did him doing that have an enormous positive impact on so many baby queers? Yes. yes. If so, was it worthwhile doing? Probably. Maybe. maybe. But you, you just nailed it where you're like, genuine card-carrying gay Elton John was like a decade from coming out at this point, yeah. but was actually just as big as Bowie. And it's like that flippancy with which he delivered it surely comes from someone who is just walking around being a bit of a performance artist. Yeah. And like, I think that it's really interesting... Um, that uh, that quote from Cherry Vanilla or whoever it was, uh, Cherry Valentine, um, said, I think it's kind of iconic that they were like, mm, I don't think he identified as gay or straight. Well, he, was, he was a narcissist. Yeah. He wanted to have people speak about him and um, he wanted to prick people's ears up. And I think doing that... Um, it, uh, in the um, all of the trappings that came along with all of the stuff that he was doing at that time in his career and kind of continued to do um, is uh, probably quite symptomatic of, of that. But it's also very interesting that towards the end of his career, he was just like a kind of a dad, dad in like that in like a trench coat. Yeah, like actually not even like for for a for a big chunk of it really. Yeah, um, and. He'd got the fans then. He'd got the loyal following. Yeah. And now he's like, I'm actually just like... I'm just like... I'm, actually, I'm straight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's me and Iman. Yeah. So, like, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, these boys are going in. We're, we're not... It's just so interesting. It is, it is genuinely interesting. And I think it is um, fitting for a conversation about Bowie to be... Um, you know, full of contrasts mm. and um, confusing and um, kind of untenable because that's what he was. Sure, I, I I would have I would have left this room feeling bad about my input to this if we sat here and we just um, praised him the whole time and said, "Yep, yeah, this this was all great." You yeah. know, I think that. Um, that he's a he's an interesting complex character, but let's go specifically to the music. To the music. Um, so, before I listened to this album as part of my dalliance in Europe a couple of years ago, that everyone knows about, um, 
I only knew Starman and Ziggy Stardust. I wouldn't have known any of the other songs. And I remember listening to the album and thinking, okay, this is very much a sonic plane of its time. I didn't realize would have set the agenda for the time, but I was like, this is kind of like, I, I know what this sounds like. And um, isn't that funny, just to pause you, the concept of when, me, when you and I go back to albums which are so called legendary groundbreaking yeah. albums and we're like there's nothing groundbreaking about it but the fact was that they that broke the, the one ground breaking ground yes, you know yes, yes. and and I acknowledge that yeah. and I'm not here saying that this is um, uh, a bad album musically I am not it's a great music uh, album musically um, is it my jam potentially not is he a great singer <laughs> also not not sure but no. I love the um, the the anarchy and the um, sticking it to the manness of the rock and roll element to it. Mm. I love the um, the storytelling and the conceptual kind of like alien thing. Yes. Um, Suffragette City slaps. Yes. And I'm here to make that clear. Hey, the opening track is his voice in that reminds me of. Do you know uh, you know the film Cabaret? Liza Minnelli, it's queer. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, the com- like the compare, the um, right. Mine, <laughs> mine Fryer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, just like that, that, that queen yes. who stands on the stage telling yes. what, what's going on with the show. That that was very dato to me, and that that kind of confused me because I thought I was listening to Bowie's albums. I've read before about this famous uh, Berlin trilogy which he did. Mm. One of the albums was the Heroes album. And then that got me think onto this wavelength of what is it about alien, othered, English queer boys who feel drawn to Berlin? Right. I was thinking like back to the 20s with your Christopher Isherwoods and your cabarets and then ahead to your Bowies and then and then like me and people. Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah, anyway, sorry. So this album, Suffragette City Slaps. There's another thing, just, just you talking about that opening track. <clears throat> And then I guess a couple of the other songs um, after it, Soul Love and Moon Age Daydream. They specifically, in listening and re-listening to this album, really, really reminded me of the songs from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then I got to thinking about the fact that the Rocky Horror Picture Show is about a... Sweet transvestite. Non, gender non-conforming alien... Got it. ...landing in um on earth and creating fuckery yes and so i researched it and the rocky horror picture show came out three years after this uh-huh. album did. Mm-hmm. and i was just like is I, te- I texted liam to be like what's the relationship between those two things because they just seem so like musically and like conceptually similar mm. there seem to be a lot of three lines there and he said great question one i've never thought about so Props to me. You're, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a podcaster, but I'm... You're legendary. I'm innovative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bows. Those. Um, so apparently the makeup artist who worked on Ziggy also created Frankenfetter's look. So, T. Um, but uh, he says that suggests to me that the producers perhaps explicitly looked to Ziggy for inspiration. But... Other than that, there's no connection other than um, Ziggy was a rallying point for weirdos and queers and so was Rocky Horror Picture. So, and um, what maybe the producers kind of took inspiration from that. But I just thought it was really, really interesting that 
um, there's so many similarities between those two things mm. and I'd never put them mm. together. Mm. Um, the Ziggy Stardust character, this bisexual alien, and just touching back on when you said about how fully committing he was to his characters, I read, well, yeah, like you said, he went to Aladdin Sane after Ziggy. And then he went apparently into this character called the Thin White Duke, which yes. is also the DJ name for Iconic Stuart Price, ramming that immaculate section back open. Which I've always known that. You've always, <laughs> I've always known, known that. I've always known. But that was a bit controversial because the Thin White Duke, David Bowie as the Thin White Duke, would say sort of fascist adjacent statements. Right. And he was kind of this far right, Nazi sympathising kind of dandy. And then, I mean, he was doing a fuck ton of drugs, not that, that excuses that, but then apparently he was like, oh, oh, I've taken this too far again. And he killed the, the thin white duke and then he went just to back to being David Bowie for a bit, but... It's... Th- look, there was... There, a lot, there's a lot of drugs going on. Oh, I've got a line here. Oh, let's rack it up. This, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yes. Sorry, I thought you meant something else. You've got a, a line I've of got text. this incredible... I texted... Um, <laughs> I texted my iconic Bristolian music um, ultimate stand, David Collings, the other day and just said, what makes everybody queer? And he replied with this incredible thing, which I want to read out to you, but specifically, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's perfect. He absolutely said and did some dubious things. But bear in mind that he said and did most of these things at a point in his life where he was so off his box on cocaine that he kept bottles of his own piss in the fridge because he was scared that wizards might steal it. Been there. Been there. That's you in Amsterdam. (laughs) But that was more um, goblin babies coming to steal my urine. Mm. My time in Amsterdam... Shout out to Shah. Couldn't decide what flavour of Pringles I wanted That's, for about an hour. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And Shah was like, come on. I was like, I, I can't decide. I can't decide. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know exactly the look you would have had on your face. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So look, we can't, like, we can't uh, deny the fact that there was chemical imbalance. He's a problematic fave. But I actually didn't realise how close to the bone he'd got. Yeah in so many different instances. Mm. And it's interesting to me that that is something that so many queer people have talked to me about how much they love Bowie, but they've never kind of mentioned that other stuff. Mm. And look, I people in glass houses should do themselves in the basement. I am yeah. the yes. biggest... Um, Mother Monster apologist, and she can. I'm pretty sure she never did have had, had a fascist stage, Mm-mm-mm. but like she had a fashion stage. <laughs> it's fashion, but was it fashion? Fame, <laughs> David Bowie, fame, the oh, fame, God. the fame. Yeah. Right. Um. Anyway, it's. I I wonder if people have similarly to me sometimes gaslit themselves a bit about the extremes of Bowie's career and the sort of things that he did that maybe were a little bit um, a touch sensitive. A touch sensitive coming soon to the pod, but I'm I'm not so interested in just destroying this man's image. I'm interested in the concept, and this is, this is why it's relevant to this album, that someone can put so much into a performance art character 
which is lauded and fabulous because they create a world. But in some cases, is it an opportunity for them to live out another fantasy of theirs? Drag. And if so, why do they sometimes do and say negative things that they wouldn't otherwise do if it was themselves? Like be a yeah. bit be a bit Nazi. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, it's just interesting. It's just interesting. It is interesting. But I should also say that at the at the heart of it, David Bowie did what we all strive to do as queer people, which is Where's this going? <laughs> bottom. No. Um which is escape to a land that yes. you can um that you're the hero of. Sorry. Um and that is queer and um and the fact that he did that kind of for better or worse, even if it was an intentional thing that he was doing as a kind of um uh, war cry for other queer people. He did um, inspire thousands and thousands and thousands of people to um, do the same things for themselves or get lost in a world that he created. And I think that that is something that uh, the amount of people that he's inspired in that list that you read out before, that is something that I will be eternally grateful to Bowie for, even if I don't listen to his songs all the time or um, even if I don't feel comfortable with the fact that he um, pushed the limits a bit when it came to um, fake opinions that were connected to alter egos that he uh, personified. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even if it meant that he um, was flippant with his mm-hmm. um, expression of his own sexuality, because I just think that that doing that was just so important. So to summarise, the good outweighs the bad. Yeah. Yeah. And people change. Yeah. Yeah. Changes. Um, We've got about seven or eight minutes left now. Now, I want to know... Sped. Did... What else did Liam say to you? That, that, like, that was the the, the main... We had a sort of general conversation, but... So we talked about Jack Race again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to read out this fabulous quote from... Thank you, Liam, for that. I want to read out this fabulous quote from David because it really blew me away. Okay, go We've got to get David on the pod. Yeah. Q&A six. We've stopped doing the now. Wait, I thought we were... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so me. Why is everybody queer? David. There are a few surface things that might suggest why Bowie is queer, but for me, they don't answer the why question. So, for example, on the surface, he was very theatrical in camp, as was his humour. And yes... By embodying these otherworldly, sometimes grotesque, often gender-ambiguous, larger-than-life characters like Ziggy and Aladdin, he was essentially participating in drag. We know this. Similarly, there was that homoerotic top-of-the-pops performance of Mick Ronson, and early on he went record with Melody Makers. Great. Did did David Bowie, pretending to be a bent alien from outer space, all cheekbones and cock... Give queer kids in the 70s someone to pin their hopes on who made them feel less alone. 100% yes. And did he kickstart the next four decades of queer pop? Again, yes. But beyond the drag and the controversy, there was just something innately queer about the man. Here was this mainstream figure who was also entirely countercultural. 
Throughout his life, he remained interested in absolutely everything with this unquenchable thirst for learning, art, and experiences. He even turned his own death into art, which I really want to talk about. So for me, Bowie's queerness lies in his courage to live life entirely in his own lane, to constantly reinvent and supersede himself, and to keep moving forward, and to look incredible while doing it. That's queer. And then the wizard piss quote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, th- that's basically what I was saying. Yeah, you, yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that, like, that is, it can't, at, the, at the heart of it, that is what I was getting at, in that, the, like you said, the good outweighs the bad, mm. and the... Um, the impact will be felt. His impact. Mr. <laughs> Lewis. Will be felt for years Beyond. and years and years and years to come. Years and years. Correct. Did you know about the album he did so, when he died? So what was it? He he made an album, then he died, and then the album came out? It's I don't know another artist who's done, done something like this. The album was released two days before he died. Uh, keep going... It's called Lazarus, and um, there's only about six tracks, and he recorded it in secret with a band in New York, and I think the only person who knew... It was either no one knew that he was dying, but if anything, maybe one person knew, so the session band had no idea. He'd turn up to work every day for about four hours, record, seemed fairly well, would go home, finish the album. Um, And I don't want to get this wrong but he either died two days before or two days after the album was released but the album itself so in the artwork apparently there's all these hidden messages but the lyrics in the album speak directly to people say that he was actually writing his own like epitaph like he was writing his own obituary and it's all actually a bit of a return to going to new dimensions going to space finding something new after all of these years of just being like a hetty dad um, the song Lazarus gives me complete shivers and when I read David's quote there he turned his own death into art I don't know of another artist who like it's come out that they knew they were dying and um, I remember even at the time maybe people were saying this because he's he, he died and they were sentimental but people were saying this is genuinely the best album he's made in about 20 years. Yes, I I do remember hearing that. Yeah. um, And I just think iconic death, you know? Yeah. That's how you do it. Back rolls. Um, So really recommend. Calling it Lazarus. Yes. Well, Well, the song, sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. The song is called Lazarus. The, The album is called Black Star. Yes. Yes. But this, but calling that song Lazarus. Yes. Hello. Yes. Um, so cool. Black Star. Sorry, that rings more bells with me now. Black, Black Star. Star. Yeah. Black sorry Star. to anyone who was like, it wasn't called Lazarus. I got there in the end, but incredible. Just Not to be so confused cool. with Black Star pastry. No, 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 no. no watermelon cake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, little Sydney reference for you there. Um, that's uh, when I think about my idols. I I just can't see any of them doing something like that. Maybe someone like Kate Bush yes. might have the wherewithal. That would have been a Prince-adjacent thing to do. Yeah. I think Prince's death surprised him, but if he knew he was dying, that's the kind of thing he would have done Prince it. would do. He would have yeah. done it. Yeah. And um, the only other thing that Liam did say to me was to check out a um, a song, a B-side, or like a kind of a song in the re-release of this album that's not on the original called Sweethead, <laughs> which is... But Why? Why? Well, I mean, if if we want to talk about queer baiting, honey, I think maybe. <laughs> but 
know. Um, apparently, there was in the same song. I think it's song "Moon Age Daydream." Pink monkey bird is gay slang for a recipient of anal sex. Oh, there you go. Well, so pink monkey bird tonight. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see where we're going for dinner. Chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> Have you seen Velvet Goldmine? Mm-mm. With Jonathan Rhys Myers. It's kind of, well, Bowie has a song called Velvet Goldmine. It was going to be on this album as well, but then it ended up being a B-side to changes. Um, but it's it's a um, it's a kind of like a Bowie biography that's not specifically mentioned that it's Bowie kind of thing. Right. So sort of the, the rose, rose adjacent. Yes. Um, have you seen Party Monster? Yeah, no, that, that, that mentions is. them. That yeah. mentions them. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's very that. Yeah. And it's kind of um, all about the glamour, but it's a bit more uh, Glamonster. It's Glamonster. It's Glamother Monster, but um, it's Glamorgan. Mm. Um, but it's... Um, I think it pushes the, um, the queer side of... Um, the uh, the rumoured queerness of... Uh, sorry, performative gay sex queerness of Bowie <laughs> a little bit further than maybe um, was, in real life. was in real life. Got it. But definitely worth a watch. Yes. And Jonathan Rhys-Meyers was hot. Was, yeah. And also yeah. a bit violent. Oh, was he? He'd like beat people up all the time. Oh. Yeah. But... Oh, no one's come oh. off very well on this no. episode, have they? We love Bowie. We love you, Bowie. We love you. <laughs> and I want to end it with just actually... I do froth Bowie. I've got this incredible memory a few years ago. I was just, I'd broken my wrist a long time ago, long story listeners, oh God, but I left, <laughs> I left the hospital in Melbourne after they took this like rank, gross cast off my arm. And I was just so ecstatic that that chapter was behind me or so I thought. Um, and my friend Ellen, I mentioned earlier, sent me a song which at that point, I actually hadn't heard of before, but now I know to be it's firm Bowie Cannon. Sound and Vision. I was gonna mention Sound and Vision. Why do we love Sound and Vision so much? I was gonna say to you, what are your other Bowie songs that we haven't mentioned? And the mm. only one I was gonna say is Sound and Vision. It was a pink sky in Melbourne that night, and I was bounding down the street with a literal what do I say? Spring in your step? Spring in my step. Springing step is queer. Oh. Um and it's Jogging mints. Your blue, blue, electric blue, that's the colour of my room. That was my that was my gig. That song is so happy and and euphoric to me. So what are some other of your very faves? I can't talk. Um but but the thing that's really interesting about sound and vision to me is that it's kind of almost like dire straitsy. It's like mm. really like jangly and like joyful and kind of like um mm. happy pastoral almost mm. um, I could hear it playing at a at a country fate mm, 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 mm. Um, love that some Morris dancing love that. Mm. I love I do love um, Heroes yeah and you I, can't not you can't not and I love that he included that line from Moulin Rouge <laughs> that Nicole and you and do yeah yeah. yeah 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 that was good of him you will be mean <laughs> I won't <laughs> I won't I'll all the time filmed in Sydney <laughs> Um, I also love, though, shout out to the Peter Gabriel cover of Heroes. Have you heard that? No. It's amazing and, like, builds and it's very haunting. Gorgeous. Yeah, I actually randomly think it was used in Stranger Things. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But under I do I already mentioned it, but I have to give a huge shout out to Under Pressure because I think it's one of my absolutely favorite. And I think songs. in the Queen episode, one we of us said we it, it is <clears throat> sorry. So often duets don't work. They don't. That works. Oh, oh, it works to the point where it's it's no one's compromising anything. No, but what's that thing about when two icons come together? The sum is less than the parts. Often. Often. But there's. This was the sum was more. I say doubled. they doubled. My complete ultimate Bowie dance floor fave is Modern Love. Yeah, get me to the church on time. Very that. Yeah, yeah. Well, get me to the church on time. Yes. You know, yeah, uh, it's straight, Hetty. Straight wedding. Or? But it's homo because it reminds me of dancing in gay clubs in Manchester. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um. So- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Who You're are my you? Son. <laughs> That was two different. One final mention to Body to Body by Samantha Mumba, which samples Ashes to Ashes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Ashes to Ashes slaps. Body to Body. Punches. Did what Ashes to Ashes could never do. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Samantha Mumba coming soon to the pod as a guest. uh, (laughs) Or apparently she's in the studio with Deep friend of the pod. Deep friend of the pod. We can't mention it. We can't mention, mention it. Okay. Um, but yeah, those are those are my key ones, I reckon. Cute. Lovely. Um, well, Bowie was inevitable, Dals. He was inevitable and... How um, do you feel? I feel maybe we could have come across as a bit unnecessarily negative, but I think... I don't think we were, and I think you said everything that... Uh, to neatly tie off how we couldn't also not acknowledge it. He's, he's a complicated character... Um, and uh, I like him just like that. Do you know who will hate this episode? Who? The Vanguard Gays. The Vanguard Gays. And we are here to say we love you, Vanguard Gays. I don't know. I don't know. I think we were quite fair. Okay. I, I just, think we were quite fair. I can just imagine that a Vanguard Gay would listen to this and be like, you don't know what you're talking about, little boy. Well, come at us, DNA magazine. I want to end on... It is another quote, but this actually summarises why... I, it's just so cool. David sent this, but it's not for David. It's from Caitlin Moran. Iconic, quirky, middle-aged lady with a streak in her hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When in doubt, listen to David Bowie. In 1968, Bowie was a gay, ginger, punk-eyed, snaggletooth freak. Is she talking about Bowie or me? <laughs> a gay, ginger, punk-eyed, snaggletooth freak walking around South London in a dress being shouted at by thugs. Four years later, he was still exactly that, but everyone wanted to be like him. If David Bowie can make being David Bowie cool, you can make being you cool. Plus, unlike David Bowie, you get to listen to David Bowie for inspiration. So you're one-off on him, really. You're already one ahead of David Bowie. And that I think that kind of crystallises that, yes. that reason why he's so revered. Yes. And you kind of can't, you can't say fairer than that. No. So even if he didn't put his dick in men, that's what I mean when he was creating queer culture in that. Who cares where he was putting his willy? Gay people across the world were looking to him and being like, you are one of us. Red wig, silver dress. Yeah, there you go. So... Davina De Campo found inspired. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, anything else you want to say, or uh, shall we ask people to subscribe? Um, people. <laughs> Can you please subscribe? Or follow. Or follow, or like, or review, you know. Revere. Revere. Black, Reveal. You want to talk about Black Star? How about Five Star on that review? <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, please like, subscribe, um, follow, add to cart. If you want to follow Oral Fixation on Instagram, you can. It's at Oral Fixation Podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can. It's Oral Fix Pod. And what, what's Oral Fix Pod? It's queer. It's queer. If you want to email us, you can. We're actually getting more and more emails by the week, and we love getting them. So um, please email us at oralfixationpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can. I'm at with all due respect, with full stops between each word. If you want to follow Andy on Instagram, still on the hiatus, doll? I'm coming back soon. Coming back soon, coming soon to the pod. Um, it's Andrew, do you think you are? No full stops between each word. If you want to go onto our website, you can. It's oralfixationpodcast.com. And it's live. Mm. The other day, um, I was updating the website and someone said to me, what's online publishing? And I said, I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. That's a right moment. now. That was a moment. You know? It's the death of paper publishing. Print, yeah. you know. We were going to do a written newsletter. Uh, that's all. For now, we'll do a playlist. We'll do a playlist, we'll do a thing. Playlist. We'll just link to Fifty Shades of Bowie. <laughs> Fifty Shades Um, of Gay Baiting. (laughs) (laughs) We're fading out now to Sound and Vision. We'll do Sound and Thank you for listening to our episode on David Bowie. If you liked our discussion, then you could probably go back and listen to literally every single episode we've ever done. But a few highlights. In cycle one, we covered Velvet Underground and Nico. Uh, We also talk about Lady Gaga and Scissor Sisters. In cycle two, we chat about Madonna and Elton John. We go on to talk about Bjork, Queen, Kate Bush, but... For all the huge Bowie stands out there, we recommend going straight to the Danny Minogue episode. Pressing play. Drifting into my solitude.